We announce to you what existed from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have seen and our hands have handled about the word of life. The life was revealed and we have seen and we testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also announce it to you so that you can have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy can be complete. Please join me in prayer as we approach God's word this morning. Lord, breathe in your word by the power of your spirit so that it will live for us and so we can live for you. Amen. So for basically as long as I can remember in my life as a Christian, the word evangelism um, for me has conjured this strange mix of dread, terror, and longing. I was formed in a a faith community in the Anabaptist tradition, like uh, Trinity Mennonite, and, you know, a a big part of the conversation of Anabaptists is that we take the teachings of Jesus really seriously. We kind of have a a simple principle. If Jesus says something, you do it. And, you know, that applied to everything else, so I figured it had to apply when Jesus says disciples make disciples, like he probably meant that to be taken seriously like everything else we take seriously. So I felt this kind of sense of obligation about it. Um, But I remember distinctly the actual day when that feeling of obligation like turned to an actual desire in me that I wanted to share about my faith. And and that day was September 11th, 2001. Um, At the time that 9-11 happened, I was a high schooler who was just beginning to think about college. Um, I I was living in a small town in Iowa. Um, And as it happens, I had actually been scheduled um, to get on a flight on September 13th, 2001, to fly to Boston and to New York to visit colleges. Now, those of you who know anyone on the West Coast know that that is nothing like a close call in, in what is considered kind of close call territory for people who were living in that region at the time. But for people in Iowa, that was about as close as it got, right? You were going on a plane in two days to Boston and New York. Um, So I remember sitting down with my my Bible and my journal the evening of 9-11, just thinking about, like, what if my flight had been two days earlier? Like, what what if as a high school student, like, this day had been the end of my life? And I asked myself, like, what would I regret if my life ended here in high school? And, you know, as I sat with that question and as I thought about the only thing that stood out to me is I really wish I'd had a chance to tell some people what I found in my relationship with Jesus. You see, I didn't become a Christian because I grew up in church. I didn't become a Christian because somebody had convinced me that Christianity was a good thing to follow. I became a Christian because during a really dark time in my life, I reached out kind of blind in the dark and I felt someone reaching back. 
I started reading the stories of Jesus. I started having this kind of ongoing conversation with Jesus during the day. And somehow in the midst of that process, like loneliness had turned into companionship. And suffering that felt empty suddenly felt full of meaning. And where once I'd felt just depression and despair, I found this new kind of joy. And I thought to myself, you know, I really like people and everybody I know wants love and purpose and meaning to their suffering. So I just realized there was this kind of deep longing in me, like I want other people to discover what I've discovered. Um, But the problem is that wanting it doesn't mean you know how to do it. And the thought of starting a conversation about faith with anyone just struck like utter terror into the depths of my heart. (laughs) I, I remember I'm not that, not that far away from that moment where I realized I wanted to do this. I was walking through the halls in, in the high school, and all of a sudden, this, this person in my school who I had literally never talked to before, um, th- this young woman that I kind of knew by reputation, she was a bit of a partier, she like grabbed me by my arm and she dragged me into the closet. And standing in the closet crying was, was another uh, young woman who was a classmate of mine for many years, Um, I knew her kind of casually, had not had a lot of conversations with her, Um, but I knew she came from a rough family. She, you know, there was a lot of poverty. She really struggled socially in school. She was having a really hard time. And and so this classmate of mine, she's crying in the closet, and, and the girl that I've never talked to before from the high school said to me, I ran into this person, and she was having a really awful time, and we started talking, and I told her about Jesus, and she wants to be a follower of Jesus, and I didn't know how to pray for her, so I thought you would, so I brought you in here. And it was like fireworks going off in my brain. I was like, what is happening here? I've been classmates with this girl, like, most of my life, and we've never had a conversation about God. This other woman, she doesn't go to church, she doesn't even know how to pray, and she just told her about Jesus, and she became a believer. To this day, I can can still tell you the name of these two women and their faces because it is burned into my memory. Now, the funny thing about COVID this year Um, COVID has given us access to a lot of kind of online resources that previously could only be had in person. And probably the best thing I did during the time we were shut down during COVID is I had a chance to attend an evangelism conference online. Uh, Several other of you of Trinity I know were a part of attending this conference as well. Um, And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me was there was a young woman at this conference who was one of the hosts who graduated from Harvard as an undergraduate in 2019. And as soon as she graduated from Harvard, she moved to New York City, she moved into this apartment, she had this amazing new job, and then all of a sudden COVID hit and everything shut down, and she was basically like stuck in her apartment with nothing to do. Um, And during that time, her church announced, um, they were meeting online, and they announced that they were going to start these like online small groups for non-Christians who were interested in exploring just conversations about God and faith and meaning. Um, So this... Harvard graduate who was already Christian thought she might as well just reach out to some friends from college, some coworkers, some of the faculty at her university, and just see if anybody wanted to be a part of this group. She invited 30 people, and 20 of them said yes. 20 out of 30 said yes to this conversation, and a bunch of them became believers through these small groups. It turns out that when, when surveys have done, are done of Americans, around 40% of people 
surveyed say they would love to have a spiritual conversation with someone. Almost half say they would love to have a spiritual conversation. Now, they don't want to be lectured at. Like, they're, they're not interested in coming to church and listening to Megan offer this big monologue. Like, that's not what they're after. They would like to have a conversation. And one of the things that hit me as I was listening to these people sharing stories is, like, my whole life I've been starting with this scary assumption of non-interest. Like, if I were to raise this topic of faith, I would be imposing it on people who don't actually care. Um, but it, it turns out that questions of meaning and purpose and, like, I want to be loved and where do I find it, like, those are still relevant questions in 2021. And one of the things they, they shared at this conference um, was that they had done a survey of people who became Christians in the last few years as young adults. And, and they asked these people who became Christians as young adults, like, what were the biggest factors in your decision to become a believer? And the number one factor that came up in the survey is that they had been invited by someone to a small group of Christians or a small group conversation. Um, that's pretty predictable. Like, that didn't surprise me. But what really surprised me was the number two factor, they said, in deciding to become believers. Um, the number two factor in deciding to believe was that somebody persuaded them to try praying. And they prayed and something happened. I mean, just ponder that for a second. Like, one of the most common ways that young adults have become Christians is someone convinced them to pray before they believed, and they prayed, and they experienced something. They touched something. Something happened visibly as a result of their prayer, and they thought maybe there's something to this after all. Now, I, I have always loved the beginning of the letter of 1 John that we just heard. Um, I memorized this as a teenager because I just thought it's so powerful. When John opens his letter, he says, what, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and our hands have touched, that's what we declare about the word of life. John doesn't start his letter to the church and say, I'm here to give you the list of all of the right answers. He says, let me introduce you to somebody I know. I'm not going to tell you all of the formulas that I memorized. What I'm going to tell you is what I've seen and what I've heard and what I've actually touched. And why am I going to do it? Not because I'm obligated, but because I want to have fellowship with you. I want to be in relationship with you. And the thing I've seen and heard and touched is so good, I just can't help talking about it. That's the statement John opens his letter with. You know, I, I had been planning to preach this series on evangelism for months and months and months, and I kept pushing it back because I thought to myself, like, what am I going to get up and tell you, my community, about evangelism when I have struggled with this my whole life? But the great thing that happened to me this year is not just that I went to this conference, but I started having conversations with people here at Trinity who were actually sharing their faith in ordinary life. And it hit me, you know, we're a part of a community. This isn't all about me and my walk as a Christian. This is all about all of you as well. And what, what are you learning through your own experience? Um, so what we're going to do the next couple of weeks is we're going to have some little conversations with different people in our community about how they think about talking about their faith in their own circles in ordinary life. Um, so uh, we're going to start by talking to Carlisle Schlebaugh in just a moment. Um, but before we do that, I want to tell you about something that is coming up at Trinity. 
Um, that evangelism conference that I attended this year was put on by an organization called Alpha. Um, some of you might have heard of Alpha because it's been around for decades. It's a global program. Um, every year, about a half million people participate in Alpha programs, and Trinity used to be a part of this program. Um, and the purpose of Alpha is to open up spaces, non-threatening spaces, for people to have conversation about faith and about God. Um, so I want to show you just a brief two-minute video that's kind of an introduction to what Alpha is for those of you who aren't familiar. And then we'll talk to Carlisle in just a moment. So just to recap briefly, what Alpha basically is, is it's an 11-week program where um, a group of people will get together once a week. Um, you kind of watch a short teaching video, and then there's a chance for just open conversation and question asking. Um, the, the job of the church that is hosting the group is not to give answers. It's exactly the opposite of that. It's to listen to what people are saying, listen to the questions, and just open a space of warmth and hospitality and relationship where people feel accepted and connected. Um, the, the biggest kind of fuel of Alpha as a ministry is actually prayer, um, that the congregation is praying for the people who are experiencing this space of community together, and that at a certain point um, in those 11 weeks of being together, we begin to pray over people and allow them to experience what the presence of God is and what it can do um, as God chooses to show up in the act of prayer. So we're bringing Alpha back to Trinity. I don't know exactly how many years it's been since we've done this here, um, but we're gonna try something a little bit different this year um, with the kind of theme of COVID in mind, and we're gonna try and do this online. Um, the people who designed this program thought two years ago it could not possibly be successful online, but they said what they discovered is that people are actually more open when they're in their own home and feel safe, um, like they're in a safe space, and they, they found the program was actually more effective in many cases online. Um, so that's what we're going to do this fall. Um, we're doing it online both to be safe, but also um, because many of you might have people in your life who would be interested in having a conversation about faith who maybe aren't close enough to drive in all the time for these conversations, so doing this online will make it accessible to anyone. Um, so we're going to keep bringing this up in the coming weeks and encouraging you to make invitations. Um, starting next week, there'll be some literature out for you to give out if you'd like to make invitations. Um, but what I'd like to invite from you now is just to begin praying about who in your life might be one of the 40% who are eager to have a conversation about faith in a low-pressure way. So with that in mind, I want to invite up Carlisle Slavoff for a little conversation here. Um, Carlisle is going to be one of the facilitators of our Alpha group. He is the initiator. He has a real passion for Alpha. And so he's going to share with us a little bit about that passion and how it developed and how he thinks about sharing faith in his life. Um, so Carlisle, uh, some people here know you well, some people here perhaps haven't met you yet. Why don't you tell us a little about who you are and what circles life takes you to? Um, what does life look like for you these days? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for uh, letting me talk about myself for a minute. Um, first of all, I'm happily married. It's not always been that way. I'm so grateful that God healed my marriage and I have Julie to walk through life with and and faith with. She's my faith partner, so that's very important to me. Um, I'm an ER doctor working night shift uh, up on the Navajo Nation, so that's a big part of my life, too. And I've had a lot of cross-cultural experiences. I'm very 
glad for those. Uh, spent time growing up in Costa Rica, my wife in Japan a little bit, and we spent 10 years on the Navajo Nation raising our kids there. And I've been to Haiti quite a few times, and that's been really good. And I've been at a lot of different churches over the years, um, a lot of flavors of Mennonite churches, charismatic church, cowboy church, Catholic churches, Baptist churches, little Navajo churches. And, and even though people believe differently, I just met a lot of great Christians. So that's pretty important to me too. A um, couple other things about me. I like projects. I like dreaming up projects. I like, I'm pretty good at finishing projects. I'm really bad at taking on too many projects. So um, with my wife's help, I've been trying to get away from projects and care more about people. Um, Megan, this is kind of how a typical day in my life goes. I wake up, I've had a bad dream, I feel pretty rotten, I'm tired, I'm achy, I drag myself out of bed, I uh, get some coffee, um, I listen to the news, I feel worse. <laughs> um, but I open up the blinds and let the sun in, I spend some time in prayer and Bible study, I count my blessings, I feel God's love in my life, and uh, on a good day, I, I share Jesus with other people. I guess that's evangelism, so that's who I try to be. Well, and Carlisle, since you and I have begun having conversations about Alpha and about evangelism, you have described yourself to me many times as a reluctant evangelist, um, as somebody who engages this somewhat conflictedly. Um, tell us a little about your relationship with evangelism and, and how you kind of come in. Yeah, I feel like I'm much more a Jonah than a Paul, um, kind of like you were talking about. I'm really passionate about Jesus, but I really have a hard time talking about Jesus with other people, and I don't understand that. I don't know quite why that is. Maybe it's because my father wasn't too into evangelism, and he, he kind of instilled that in us. Um, maybe because I'm introverted, Maybe because I like people to like me, and I'm afraid I might make someone not like me. Um, maybe it's partly because of the culture we live in. Um, but I think a lot of it is I'm just lazy and scared, and uh, so I struggle with that, always have. I feel like I've missed a lot of opportunities to tell people about Jesus. I think it's probably a relief to all of us to hear you say that out loud because now we, we know we have something to learn with you um, because for many of us, it's not easy. Um, so you've shared with me some different ways that you have shared Jesus with people that don't look like conventional evangelism, right? Like some of us hear evangelism, we think about handing out a track with four kind of statements on it or something like that. Um, tell us a little about what, what does it look like to share faith in your life? Yeah, I mean... I've tried a lot of stuff, and I've had a lot of fun at it. Um, when we lived up on the Navajo Nation, we did a lot of things with young people. Um, we had a Bible quiz team, and I think it was good. I think the kids learned a lot. One time, we actually beat the team with the white missionary kids. It was great. <laughs> um, we had, I brought youth down to some events down in Phoenix, some big Christian events, and we had a big event up in Ganado. 
got to meet Rich Mullins and sit at his feet and listen to his music. He was one of my heroes back then, so it was fun, and I think the kids got a lot out of it. Um, flea markets are a big thing up on the reservation, and I used to put up a booth at the flea market, and I gave out Bibles, and I gave out this, this uh, brochure that I had put together. It was entitled, Beware of the White Man's Religion. <laughs> and it, it was a good conversation starter, and, you know, we talked about, you know, who Jesus really is. Um, Probably the biggest way I've done evangelism over the, over the years and the place I've been the most bold is at work. I try to spend a little extra time listening to people and empathizing with people, and then I often will um, offer to pray with people at work. In the emergency room, that's kind of rare, I think. Um, and I just trust that when people feel comfort and healing through prayer that they get closer to Jesus. The other thing I've been doing more lately is in our uh, social media world and with COVID, I've just kind of been convicted that we just need to spend more time with each other. So I've been trying to just call friends, new people, and now that uh, we're able to just go out and drink coffee with people, and, and oftentimes the conversation will lead to spiritual things. Mm -hmm. so. Coffee dates, that's a pretty non-threatening way to start a conversation. What, what advice would you give someone here in the Trinity community who might be wanting to grow in their witness to Jesus but not know how to start? Um, you mentioned to me the other day you've been learning some things even from addiction medicine that have helped you think about this. Um, so what kind of counsel do you have to us? Well, I think in the past I felt like I had to be a really good salesperson. It was kind of up to me. I had to close the sale, and by the time I was done talking to somebody, they should accept Christ. And I've kind of gotten away from that. I'm a lot more comfortable just letting the Holy Spirit do its work and just being a partner with the Holy Spirit and trust and pray. So uh, just planting little seeds rather than trying to close the sale. Yeah. Um, yeah, addiction medicine has been very fascinating. I'm, I'm really into it right now, and one of the things about people with addictions is they, um, their brains be have been hijacked in a way that they have a hard time changing. Um, we're all that way, but in addiction it's even more that way. And I, I've learned a, a tool called motivational interviewing and what happens if I tell somebody what they need to do, their, their defenses go up and they're not interested. But with motivational interviewing, I, I'm taught to just listen and establish a relationship with a person and let them talk and listen for things that they discover themselves about wanting to change and then just kind of talking about those changes that they in themselves discover they want to do. And I've kind of thought about that with evangelism. Maybe that would be a technique I want to try as I'm working with people. Sounds a lot like spiritual direction, actually, too. Yeah, yeah some of those common themes. Well, before we let you go, Carlisle, I'd love to have you tell us a little about how you got involved in Alpha. And, um, you know, you were the one that initiated bringing this back to Trinity. So why do you like Alpha so much and what kind of draws you to it? 
Yeah, I first heard about it on a podcast. It was a podcast that was talking about how, how do we reach the millennial generation. And uh, they had a speaker on the podcast who talked about Alpha. And I thought, this is pretty cool. And I looked into it, and I brought it to my small group in Texas. And we, we, we worked on it for a while, and we decided to do an Alpha. And it, it went really well. Um, I think Alpha is a good place for people like me that have a Jonah complex. Um, it does make it easier because it kind of takes the pressure off of me. I don't feel like I have to, um, you know, the videos kind of speak for themselves. They tell the good news message and they give a lot of great stories of transformation. So I don't have to feel the pressure to do that. I just invite people. I pray for people. I try to give people hospitality and listen, and then I just try to open a space for the Holy Spirit to work. So I, I've been in two alphas now, and, and they've both been very good, and yeah, I like it. Well, we're so excited to have you leading us as we um, begin this new adventure together as a community. Um, just a reminder that um, we at Trinity are doing a new thing called Double Take um, during second hour beginning at 10.30. We get together in the sanctuary, those who are interested for more conversation. Um, so I'm hoping today we can have some more conversation about like what, what are the obstacles to sharing faith? Like what are we sharing? What does this look like in our lives? Um, I think there's a lot of things we can discuss. So if you're interested in continuing this conversation with us, we'll be back in here at 10.30. Um, but let's just spend a moment and pray together and listen for a second for God's leading and calling as we kind of embark on this adventure together. Lord, we are here, all of us today, because somebody somewhere told us that you are a God of love worth knowing. Maybe you and your love is so clear to us that we just are stumbling over ourselves with eagerness to talk about it, and maybe we are the people who are still groping in the dark, seeking to know if that's true. Lord, you are reaching for us long before we reach toward you. Any hint of desire we feel is just an echo of your desire for us. So we pray for ourselves that you would open our senses, that anything blocking our awareness of your presence, of your commitment to us, would just crumble beneath the relentlessness of your pursuit. We pray that you would give us a genuine love for our neighbors for our friends, for our family, a love that's true enough and big enough to lead us to take small risks in opening conversations and making invitations. Not putting pressure on ourselves, not feeling like it's on us to deliver the goods, um, but just daring to believe that you are real and you are loving and that you make a case for yourself. If we just open doors, you walk through them. Show us what small step you are calling each of us to take in the weeks ahead. 
so that the purpose of life, the meaning of all of this, most of all the love that's at the heart of it, would be known by more and more people for their joy and for ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Carlisle.